Hey folks, this week was the AMA. Yes, ask me anything. And honestly, I never really thought anyone would have wanted to, but I'm incredibly flattered you all did. Look, before we begin, we got a lot of questions. Way more than I could answer on one AMA, but I promise we're going to do another one down the road. And the shorter ones I'm going to answer on Instagram. By the way, speaking of Instagram, if you're not following me on there, you're missing out on some good stuff and fun banner. I'm at the Kirkland or at Blamo Podcast. Nice. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and you're listening to Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. Again, we got a special episode this week, the AMA, which if you don't know what that stands for, it's Ask Me Anything. So yes, I was joined by my good friend Brian Davis, the founder of Wooden Sleepers, my favorite shop and one of my oldest friends. Look, we went through some heavy questions about style, where run in the mill came from, my history in fashion, and much more. So check it out and let me know what you think. Let's do it. We're going to go ahead and go. Okay. I am joined here by probably one of my best friends in the whole world, if not the best friend, Mr. Brian Davis. I was going to say your middle name, but I don't want anyone to deep Google you <laughs> in the deep state. Um, Brian was so kind and gracious uh, to do this AMA thing with me because I was thinking, I was like, oh, this would be a lot of fun. And I've had a lot of folks like ask me to do this, like, you know, for a while and um I didn't really know how to do it because in my head like I've heard some podcasts do AMAs and I'm totally going to leave this on the on the pod like where it's just them talking for like 70 minutes and it's like longer than all of their other pods and they like get really deep and introspective and and I don't want that to happen on this. So Brian as one of the people who knows me more than anyone on earth is going to keep me from rambling too much and also helping choose some of these questions and uh, maybe give his opinion because, pause, shout out, Brian Davis runs the greatest vintage store and well, actually just one of the greatest stores on earth. I don't want to put an asterisk <laughs> and say vintage. Wooden Sleepers. Shout out Wooden Sleepers and also the very first, the number one, the one of one, season one, episode one of the pod. Thank you. It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, BD, what do we got? Oh, man. Well, you got a bunch of good questions here. So, I guess we'll just dive right in. Let's do I it. I think the hardest part is going to be reading these uh, Instagram screen names. Oh, so yeah. So, I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, don't, don't even read. You don't even need to read the screen names. We're going to go ahead and do that. Cause don't, don't DM me. Yeah, I don't want anyone to uh, be like, oh, you didn't answer mine. Okay, so skip the, skip the names. Skip the names. All right, all right. Well, then, all right, so let's, let's dive in. I feel like this is a good one to start with because it, it, it chronologically kind of like sets us a little bit in the past. Oh. And I think it's a cool story. I know the story. I lived through this story <laughs> with you, um, but it'll be fun to hear it in your own words. Okay. So um, first question from your... Uh, your awesome listenership is, can you go into the story of working on your own clothing in the past? Oh, snap. Okay, I'll do this, and I'll, I'll try to keep time limits on these questions. Um, I started a clothing brand. We started a clothing brand. Me, um, Lawrence Schwassman, and John Moy. Shout out Larry, and shout out John. We all had blogs. At the time that um, everyone read Lawrence's, no one read mine, and some people read John's. And uh, I hitched my wagon 
on to those guys and uh they were like I was like, hey, I was like, I bet we could probably buy some of these clothes that we want if we just made them ourselves and became a shop. And so the original idea was that we were going to be like a, an online only retail store, like like something that obviously <laughs> a lot of businesses do now that is just online and we were going to curate selections. When was this? Uh, great question. This was 2009, because if you search on Twitter, hashtag believe 2010, we were getting <laughs> we were getting ready for it, and we launched a clothing company called Run of the Mill, and um, we made it on Shopify. I made it on Shopify. Lawrence was doing the marketing because he's a genius. Moy was handling a lot of the logistics because we would have perjured ourselves or done something really stupid. And I was like kind of like building the site, and we were all doing like air quote design together. And shout out Mark McNary, mm-hmm. who was. The, the G of G's, like, basically offered to, you know, Mark McNary, I will say this, Mark McNary was the guy who we were like, hey, we want to make some clothes and we want to sell them online, and we're going to use our blogs to sell them. And I remember Mark was sitting there, and he was just like, okay, what do you want to do? <laughs> and we were like, oh, okay. And I remember we did a green suede um, wingtip on grape a... Soul. On a grape soul. On a Legendary, soul, which John Moy still wears because John is dope and has timeless style. And um, uh, I don't know where mine are, which is stupid. I got rid of most of my stuff on accident. Um, but we did that, and it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But I think to to kind of like you know that did well, and we also did a collab with Mon Italy, who had just started. Shout out Yuki Matsuda, and uh, then from there we designed which was Lawrence's idea, I think, to do these like cutaway collar Oxfords. And he was like, yeah, it's going to be like super spreads. By the way, this is hashtag menswear, which Lawrence started um, and was like, we're going to do these super spreads, cutaway collar Oxfords. And uh, then we were going to do double monks. Our goal at the time, and I remember talking to Sid Mashburn about this on multiple occasions now, was to basically put Sid Mashburn like out of business in the sense of like we were going to be not like actually like out of business, but you know, like we were going to be the people um, who would kind of make a name for ourselves by being double monks that are awesome but cheaper than Sid Mashburn because Sids were five ninety five, I think, and so we did double monks. But and then I'm going to wrap this up real quick because this is kind of my history almost. Um, but uh, making these double monks, we did not know how to price anything. And we didn't know how to um, fulfill anything. So backstory, this of the backstory, we were making these shoes and we worked with a guy who I won't name his name. Uh, he's a good guy, but like we just, you know, it doesn't matter. And um, we, we were like selling them pre-sale. So I, I don't know if any of you remember or if any of you were customers, but what we did is we put the shoes online and we're like, hey, these are the shoes. They're dope. Order them and it's going to be super limited. And this, you know, Lawrence, genius idea. And he's like, we'll make it super limited. And then what we would do is from the pre-orders, we would use it to pay for the shoes because we didn't, you know, we had already put in a bunch of money, but we didn't have the money. And we, we also didn't know how many we were going to sell. So next thing you know, there's like a lot of shoes that sold power of power of the blog, power of run of the mill, hashtag believe 2010. And then um, PayPal, not shout out PayPal, uh, locked up our money 
and wouldn't give us any of our money unless we could prove that we had shipped it. But we needed the money to pay for the shoes. So it was like a catch-22. And John Moy, who's a genius, <laughs> I guess this might be TMI, but it doesn't matter. Like, what jokingly kind of threatened a class action lawsuit or like getting other people together to like get our money and he got it you know he he i don't he actually didn't we did not sue there was no legal thing that happened but like he was just like talking to support and he's like look if you google search paypal holding money you have tons of things he's like what's you know what if i just got all those people together and they finally gave us our money and we used it to pay for things but we didn't really price things accordingly because most people, when you sell something at a store, you have a margin, like two and a half X or three X or whatever it is. And we had zero margin. And it was, I mean, well, there was some, but like it, it, when, you, when you factor the box, the shipping, which costs a ton, mm-hmm. the tissue paper, all that crap, and the, like try to make something nice and look good, at the end of the day, we, left, we were left with like no money. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it was awesome because I got to learn how to make something, how to, to get people excited about what you're making, how to, to, um, compromise your idea with what can actually be made by the people who are helping make it, which is a big thing that I think a lot of people don't discuss. Like, you know, when people talk about like, oh, I saw something go down a runway or saw something made, but it never made it to production level. It might have been too freaking hard. It might have been like pretty much impossible to do. Anyway, I digress. That was it. It was awesome. But at the end of the day, it's more fun to go out on a high note than to go out with PayPal holding all your money and you looking like an idiot. Right. Well, I'll just <laughs> add, since you won't, that I, I think it was really ahead of its time. Oh, You guys thanks. were basically doing a direct-to-consumer clothing brand before anybody even knew what that was or that even existed yeah this idea of like we're going to offer a premium product at a lower price and cut out the the cut out the middleman yeah of it um so it's cool we have one more run-of-the-mill question when does the run of the mill when does run of the mills new line drop Oh, here's a funny joke. So this might be like Believe 2012. Um, There was a company that was interested in purchasing Run of the Mill. Um, And this is after we kind of like, you know, because the last thing we made was the Picasso tee, which is still dope. Um, but it, you know what's funny is to, to I don't want to ramble, but I guess this is the AMA. Imagine making that tea now, which is like very, it's a, that, that tea, I'll, I'll put it in the notes or something. It was a photo of Pablo Picasso wearing an Indian headdress, an American Indian headdress, um, with a Rolex GMT on his wrist. It actually looked really dope, but I think a lot of people now would say it was very, you know, non-politically correct, culturally appropriating, but it was Picasso. Also, we didn't own the rights to that, so we were like, "Yeah, we're like supreme. <laughs> we're just gonna, we're just gonna make something and not own the rights to the uh, to the uh, tea." But like, we did that, and then there was a company that was like, "Hey, like, you know, we could help fund you and give you some, you know, some funding to make a full collection." And I des- well, d- design air quote. Uh, me and Lawrence and the guys, we kind of had this idea for Morocco. And I actually, when I was preparing for this, I was looking through stuff that we had done and I found the pictures. I'll put the pictures online of like, it was, uh, 
spring summer 2012 and it was uh um it was like a mixture of like Boris Bijan Sabri stuff with like lighter colors and like J pants and I we thought it was going to be cool but anyway we never did it because it's really hard to do it and um at the time also like you think that a bunch of people really want it, but it's really just like maybe six or seven other dudes, and maybe one of those dudes is the one who asked the question. I don't know. I don't know. It's 2018. There's uh, people still asking about it. So. Yeah. Well, whatever. All right. Well, moving on. Yeah. Sorry, that was incredibly long, but I like I like this one. Okay. Uh, this this uh, person asks. You describe going through a lot of phases, Rick Owens, etc. Yeah. What would you describe as your personal style? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know what my personal style is. I think, I think my personal style is, at least now, is, um, I want to look like, (laughs) I want to look like someone who, um, is wearing what he wore on purpose, uh, and is wearing, I want to wear clothes that are, um, that are more for my age. Like, I'm 33 years old, and I want to look like an adult father who is a 33 year old dad who also um loves his daughter and is a nice guy and so like what i've been wearing more recently is actually more like some like tailored clothing but not really suits like levi's jeans and sport coats so some i i would say probably the stuff that got me back into that got me into clothes in the first place which was more wanting to look kind of like steve mcqueen but not so heavily magnified on the internet. What is that style called? I don't know, but I I think if anyone like describes their style by, you know, a genre, maybe that shouldn't be it. I think your style is always going to be uniquely you. Your style should be your name. Sounds um, like you've come full circle. <laughs> I've come full circle. I want to have style like Brian Davis, uh, who's yeah, who's just like you're just BD, man. I don't know. All right. Well, Here's another question. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. Who cares? If your clothes <laughs> are your trading cards, which piece is the first edition shadowless Charizard? Oh, Charizard. Okay. I think I know who asked me that question. <laughs> um, so first, first off, of all, what is a Charizard? Uh, well, I'll drop some Pokey knowledge on you. So he's referring to Pokemon. Okay. And I figured that. The greatest Pokemon trading card was a holographic Charizard. Um, all the people listening, if you don't know it, stop, <laughs> Google it, look it up. It's the dopest Pokemon card ever. Um, it was mega rare. It was the equivalent, I'll, I'll sound super nerdy, of a Black Lotus from Magic the Gathering. Um, but uh, that, so basically he's asking, like, what's the rarest thing that I own? Is that what he's asking? I mean, what's the equivalent of that? I don't know. Maybe, I don't, like, your most prized? My most prized? I don't know. I mean, I, I have... I, you know, I'm going to say, this sounds tacky, like, just a blue sport coat. Like, I have a blue sport coat from Orazio Luciano. It's great. It, I've worn it for, like, seven years now? Six, five, six years? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I still wear it, and it still looks good. And, to be honest, I don't really own anything that's that old that I have owned that entire time that still wears. I don't know. That's tacky. He's going to be like, man, what a bummer. But yeah, blue sport coat. It's the truth. All right. I'll take it. (laughs) 
No, right. no, pause. Okay. My flipping Ted Drews hat. My yellow uh, Ted Drews hat. See, there we go. My yellow Ted Drews hat. It, it means because first off, I love my little brother Trevor. You're gonna have the emotional Jeremy comes out right now. Shout out Trevor. Shout out Trevor. Trevor Kirkland, my little brother, whom I love more than anything. St. Louis from St. Louis. Ted Drews is an ice cream store in St. Louis. Fun fact: If you go to Shake Shack, their custard is based after Ted Drews. Um, if you go to Ted Drews, yeah. If you go to Ted Drews Airport, or sorry, if you go to St. Louis Airport, there's Ted Drews at the airport. Um, and it is a yellow hat. It looks kind of weird. It goes with almost everything I have because it's just kind of weird. Um, it protects my bald head wherever <laughs> I go outside. And yeah, I've worn that hat for a long time, always. I wore it today. I, I, just, I just, and I have like five of them. That's your signature cap. Yeah, it's my signature cap. Yeah, that's my holographic Charizard. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. That's good. Um, here's another question. Okay. Do you still feel the urge to stay current on everything now that you have a kiddo? Ooh, that is a really good question. The urge to stay current. I'm assuming he means by like wearing trendy clothes. I, I like I'm buying. I'm guessing this is he's he's uh staying within the the sort of clothing world here. Like, have your priorities shifted? Yeah. Uh, most of my money goes towards my daughter and daycare and my family. Um, that is the greatest thing of becoming a, f- a parent is you realize how selfish you are and how much money you're spending on yourself. But I mean, I, I would say in a way it's actually helped because I do have less money to buy stuff that I want. I have to be really selective of what I want. So it's like I can't buy something from every Supreme drop and I can't buy all these other clothes and like 20 different pairs of Nikes. I actually have to look at all the stuff that's coming out and be like, I think I can only get that one. I can get like one shoe from a Nike fall drop. Like, you know, so I can't. You're not living like a monk over here. No, no, I'm definitely. Sounds like you have some boundaries. Yeah, there are boundaries where, yeah, I can't buy everything from Noah. But I'm like, oh, okay, that one rugby, maybe. Um, But I'm still trying to make sure that fits within what I'm like to go back to my style thing, what that is now versus buying everything and then having that become or me becoming that for that season Mm, okay yeah well this next question kind of ties into that okay um biggest grail you're currently after biggest grail i guess that could be past present or future um okay this is true i really really want um i used to own this i really really want a like a a a down vest that is like a Cuccinelli vest. Like in the, back in the okay. day, I had a Brunello Cuccinelli uh, down vest that I could wear. Like I wore it over a jean jacket. I wore it over a suit and it was awesome. And I, to it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I well, don't know. That's interesting because uh, someone else asked, what's the one piece that got away? Yeah. Well, it would be that. I, I don't know where it went or I might have sold it. I don't think I would have sold it, but whatever. Um, and now I was like, man, I really wish I still had that. Uh, even with the voice crack that I just had. But yeah, I really, I really wish that I still had that. And that's something that I'm on the hunt to try to get. All right. Well, that, that seems attainable. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it does seem attainable. Yeah. 
I've always wanted to take vitamins, but I've never been sure of what I actually need. Once I tried to figure it out, and I often forgot when to take them, or worse, I got the dreaded pill pocket. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like when a pill is lost in your pocket and it either explodes or ends up covered in dust. Look, it's, it's awful. I recently discovered Care-of, and I don't think I'm going back. Care-of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. For starters, their site has a really slick online quiz that asks about your diet, your lifestyle, takes only five minutes to find out what vitamins and supplements you actually need. I got matched with some great probiotics, fish oil, and I've really enjoyed the difference it's made. Once you make your selections, your vitamins get delivered right to your door in a personalized, easy to remember daily pack. So no more pill pocket. Also, side note, the pill packages have this really witty banter, almost like a fortune cookie on it. It makes my day. Try it, and if you don't like one of the selections or feel it's too much, your monthly subscription box can be easily modified at any time. Right now, Care-of is offering listeners 25% off their first month of personalized vitamins. Visit TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code BLAMO at checkout. Whether we like it or not, winter is coming, so give your immune system a head start to help support your health in the cooler months ahead. Visit TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code BLAMO at checkout for 25% off your first month of vitamins. All right, all right. What's next? What's next? What's next? Here? Yeah, don't worry. Take your time. All right. I, I like this one. Okay. Do you think sustainability and transparency will play a larger role in the coming years? 100%. Uh, and I say that for newer brands because they need to have that part of their story. Mm-hmm. Like, shout out, call back to Maurizio Donati of Atelier and Repairs and mm-hmm. how that is really what they're trying to lead with. Um, if you're a new brand... You know, and I get hit up from like new new clothing companies that are starting out. Everything that they, or well, sorry, a key thing that they put in their story is the fact that they're trying to be sustainable um, or transparent in terms of how they get their product made um, and the people that they're partnering with to make that product for them. Um, and I feel that as people become aware of it, people are going to ask more about it. Just how like I feel like no one. This may, I may be speculating, so I apologize, but it felt like no one really cared where things were made until that became a story. This is made in America. This, mm-hmm. is, this is made in America. Well, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah, I need this to be made in America. Now people are going to be like, well, wait, where is it? Like, how is it made? Do you treat your people ethically? Am I damaging, you know, the globe significantly? I mean, we all know that global warming is, climate change is actually a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, can we can we still be buying new clothes and learning more about ourselves uh, by not totally destroying the planet, or can we have some some type of like upcycling the way that like Atelier and Repairs is? For sure. So yeah, I think so for sure. And what about transparency? I mean, we see that a lot now. Brands are really just like pulling the curtain back, whereas yeah. before it was an industry I think of secrecy. You know, yeah, no one wanted to tell you like where things were made or what they were making them out of, et cetera. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen with the bigger houses but i think people are gonna like people are gonna want to know i mean like is rolex ever gonna tell you exactly how everything is made no right but i you know i mean that's kind of an exception i think people are gonna want to know more of like nike like how their Mm -hmm. nike stuff's made and i think nike you know uh, not to to pick on Nike or anyone, but i think a brand that size will probably end up making a subcategory of a of a or a line of products and then try to be really transparent about it mm-hmm. because i think at the end of the day 
when you're that big, I think it's also really hard to be that transparent with everything. But are people going to want to know? Yes. And I want to know. I mean, don't you? Yeah. I just pulled a Kavanaugh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I I, I think people are people are definitely asking those questions and more interested now, I think, than ever. I, I compared it to like people asking questions about the food they were eating back in the 60s. Right. People started asking those questions and saying, well, is this healthy? What are these chemicals that are being sprayed on it? Right. What am I putting in my body? And now people are asking the questions of like, well, well, what am I putting on my body? And where is it coming from? Who's making it? Is it being made responsibly? Do I need it? Do I need it? Yeah. Do I need it? I think it should is a question that everyone should ask themselves before they buy something. (laughs) Do I actually need this? Yeah. Probably not. Or do I want it? Yeah. Do I really want it? Or am I just buying it to fill some sort of hole or some some need? Um, I remember... I think wanting things is fine. You know, there's this, like, movement now of, like, I absolutely... Do I need it? It's like, well, we still need pleasure. We still need to enjoy things. Yeah. You know, something can give you aesthetic pleasure. That's fine. To to, What I was about to say is I, I have a... Uh, I remember you texted me a photo of your closet and I think you had like seven blue Oxfords or something like that. Do you remember that? And you were like, I keep buying blue Oxfords. It's true. Guilty. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Well, I don't know if I should apologize for that. No, you shouldn't. I think that's great. Do you still have all the blue Oxfords? Uh, Yeah, I think I do. I think I do. I mean, the blue Oxfords probably the greatest shirt of all time. It's true. It's true. You know, and, you got to get them while the getting's good. Yeah, damn right. So vintage Brooks Brothers for anyone uh, keeping score out there. Available at Wooden Sleepers. Well, yeah. Might have a harder <laughs> time finding those 15 and a halfs. Oh, Because yeah. they get plucked by me, but no, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll, always, uh, we'll always take care of our customers first. That's good. Okay. All right. What else do we got here? What do you think of workwear-inspired clothing or brands? Are you serious? This is a question. Oh, I, asked, I, 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 I thought, I I thought you I'm not asking, asking that. that. Um, I mean, I don't. That's a tough question. I, 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 I don't think of them any different than I think of any other brands. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that I sometimes pick on because I'm a cynic and I have to admit that I've become a little bit of an elitist person that's like lives in his own bubble is when companies start out like. All of a sudden, there's this new workwear company, right? I don't know who they are, mm-hmm. but apparently they've been around forever, but they're not really a new company at all. Like, um, you know, I, there's a couple companies who have basically, what they did is they just bought a company name mm-hmm. that was like 70 years old, and they're like, we've been making clothes since, not, you know, right, you know, 1930, right, right. and it's like, well, have, have you? you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, I love that stuff. I mean, Carhartt, pants are still amazing um you know you got what was it someone i saw a guy wearing a cat i mean i know cat like made like actual like physical vehicles but a dude had like a big coat and it was like cat it was made by cat it it didn't just have a patch on it i I am dead serious it was kind of dope but like you're talking like real workwear real work work working man's workwear not like postoals you know like like, which is the dopest workwear and is in some cases more authentic than the workwear that's being made because of how it's made. Sure. But I'm talking about like these old companies. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, but I still would argue till I'm blue in the face that probably one of the greatest brands of all time um, is Engineer Garments, which I don't know what Daiki would say about who they are, what they're called, but they, you know, to me are still primarily like a workwear brand, but they're also just some of the greatest clothing ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you put that stuff to the test, it's going to actually do what it's intended to do. I I don't know how many people are throwing on a $300 EG work shirt and like going to the job site and like laying bricks, but but if you were, I bet you it would last a lot longer. Uh, I you know agree. the shirt you buy at Dave's. This is not. This isn't SpawnCon either. No, just, this is not. No, we. Are, yeah, there's no SpawnCon here at all. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because I had my EG work shirt hanging up after doing laundry, and I noticed like, wow, this thing you know hasn't busted a seam, it hasn't lost a button. Triple and I was needle looking stitch. At another chambray shirt from a brand that will uh, remain unnamed, and okay. it was like shredded to bits. <laughs> really? <laughs> what the hell? Anyway, bummer. Tangent. It's all right. All right. Next question. Next yep. question. In terms of trends, yeah, this is, this is like the big one. Okay. Where do you see men's wear going in the next five years? Oh, Look man. into your crystal ball. Hold on. Uh, I don't know. It, uh, actually, no. So, I mean, it's tough. I don't want to speak on any authority, but like what I see personally is I think... So what... Let me let me add some context to this. Um, I think there are two types of people this, that are listening to this podcast. Maybe there are more. I apologize for putting people in a box. But there are people who feel like they know more about clothing than anyone in the world, and they're experts, and they're also the experts to their friends. And then there are other people who are like, yeah, I'm just interested in it, and I kind of like clothes, but like I'm I'm just learning all the time, right? So... I, this is more to, I think, the general mass, but I feel like there are a lot of people who are seeing brands like Vemont's and other stuff that are like really confused by it and it's crazy expensive and it doesn't, what they're doing is telling an awesome story, mm-hmm. like the brands are, but like I don't, it's, you want to connect it to some form of authenticity and I feel like it's much more difficult to do that when you're having to reinvent your heritage all the time, right? And reinvent your story. Therefore, I think the, consumers, and I say this because I receive questions about it from listeners and have felt that same way myself, are somewhat confused by what to get. I think generally men and, you know, your your average shopper needs not hand-holding, but needs more guidance. And people are just like, oh, wait, these like big shoes, these dad shoes, but wait, when I wear it, I actually don't look good, but my friend wears it and he looks good. Is it because he's like, more passionate about how he's wearing it like how is this like that is an actual question i got in an email and sorry dude i'm not making fun of you but like and i think because of that people are really confused and so they're going back to stuff like i just want a good pair of jeans i just want like a good oxford shirt i just want to you know i want to look like i care and i want to be able to walk into a room but not have anyone be like wait what the heck are you doing or are you going to have a job interview today like so I see more guys going back to that. And that's also why, you know, in my opinion, you also see brands where people are like, oh, I didn't know they would, you know, still be crushing it like 316 where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, because you know what? A ton of dudes still need a good pair of jeans. Amen. So I don't know. That's that's what I think. I don't know. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's that's a that's a good answer to that question. But the caveat, I do not think that like it's going to be 
Americana workwear coming back, like mm-hmm. the way it was. Right. Um, that was a little costumey, maybe. It, yeah. You know, or, or at least the people that were trying to embrace it, like me, mm-hmm. I'll put myself in that, might have been a, a little bit costumey. Uh, I, I was doing that for sure. So, whatever. But I think you're right. You know, people still need a good pair of jeans. Yeah. You know, people arguably still need a chambray shirt. You know, there are elements from that time that I think persist because they're good and they're useful. They're utilitarian. Yeah. And they look cool on most people. Yeah. Um, I think anytime you go head to toe, full out, you run the risk of looking like you just stepped out of central casting. Yeah, don't pull a Jeremy Kirkland. That's that's what I've done, <laughs> head to toe. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, you can kind of mix and match and pull pieces uh, from that time. I agree. But here's a, here's a question I'll ask you. Um, when your average dude is coming into wooden sleepers, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I know you got like Jonah Hill coming in there getting stuff and you got lots of other celebrities that I won't name that you're because you're private and, <laughs> and respectful. Um, what are they getting? I mean, I think I'm just going to assume I know a lot of people were trying to get like a good pair of khakis from you, right? Sure. I mean, well, we were pushing that particular silhouette of like something higher rise something right. fuller in the legs but like more classic classic looking yeah like when you look at a old photograph from the 40s or 50s of a guy wearing khaki pants like doesn't that look great yeah yeah i think it looks great and it still so looks we were good pushing now. that and yeah. i think part of what i do there is offer what i believe to be the essential version of any given product right so if you're interested in a pair of khaki pants, well, yeah, why not go back to the source? Why not go back to those 40s and 50s era military issue chinos? If you're interested in an Oxford cloth shirt, why not go back to what I believe is like the quintessential Brooks Brothers Oxford cloth shirt, like right. from the 60s or 70s or whatever. Those are the pieces we try to offer. So for the the guy that's like into clothes and curious about, well, all these derivatives, you know, well. Let's let's go back to the original and find out what made that so special and interesting in the first place. Yeah. Would you say that the people that are coming in your store, and this is the last one I'll ask you, are like discerned customers or they depends. They're... Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean it depends. Like we we get the vintage vintage connoisseur, of course. Right. People who like travel from all over the world, they get to New York and they say, like, well, what are the best vintage stores in that I need to hit while I'm here? Right. We're lucky enough, I think, to be on that short list. And yeah. I like to have things for that person, you know, that person who's like really looking for that rare piece, that special piece, um, something they're not going to find anywhere else. But then we got the neighborhood guy too. You know, okay. we sell a lot of people their very first vintage piece, you know, and this is a guy who might just be passing by and has never really been to a vintage store in his life, but comes in and finds something. He's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, what do you think of that? And those are the customers. I mean, I love both of those customers because I sure. like being able to nerd out and have those really like fun kind of conversations with the connoisseur. But for the guy who's just starting out, it's fun to sort of help them figure out, well, what are those first couple pieces that can work with their, their wardrobe and get them on their way? And then see them come back and see that style kind of develop over time is, is really fun. So That's dope. Yeah. That's very dope. Yeah. I wanted to avoid like the record store thing of like, you know, just being intimidating and like right. standoffish and not helpful and like 
having all the best stuff like tucked away or you yeah, know, all that stuff. Like <laughs> I hated all that stuff about shopping vintage. I hated it. So I wanted to do something a little bit different, something that was a little more inviting. Yeah, but that could still appeal to the 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 discerning customers. You said that's dope. That's very dope. All right, shall we get back to these? Uh, Let's do it. Let your, go, your loyal listeners here. Yeah, this one was kind of silly. I was gonna skip this one, but. I feel like it could maybe take us someplace interesting. Okay, Lego. And you did mention him just before. Why Jonah Hill? Why Jonah Hill? So first <laughs> off, the best expert for this would be uh, Lawrence. Too bad we can't uh, dial him in. I know. I would dial Lawrence in. I should phone a friend. Um, but I think the thing about that, and then also shout out Amelia Petrarca, who um, I hope I said your last name right. Please forgive me if I didn't say it right. Um, who She's a writer of the cut. She's a genius woman. Amazing. Um, but she wrote an article that kind of described, I believe she wrote an article that described um, Jonah. But I'll just go ahead and say, I think what people like a lot about him is one, he's cool. Two, he's wearing like some kind of like hype clothing. But the hype-based clothing stuff that he's wearing isn't the hype clothing that hype beasts wear. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he was wearing Palace. I I I could be wrong, but he might have been like one of the first like big celebrity dudes to wear Palace. And also right. the stuff that he wears is like not the stuff that is like super high resale value, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like mad hypey. But I think you know the thing, and a, a lot of other journalists have written this too, of just like he doesn't seem to care, and he you know he he does care, right? Um, but he's just like a regular dude, and I think at the end of the day, why people you know, when people look at someone wearing clothes and they're like, oh man, that looks so cool. Obviously they try to see themselves as that person. And I think maybe because Jonah Hill is not, um, isn't like this, you know, superhuman type person who just comes off as like a regular guy, um, that people are like, oh, I'm a little bit closer to that. Like I can do that. I can pull that off. Right. Um, but it seems like he's doing it for himself. Too. Yeah. Like you said, he's not going after he the, doesn't have a stylist. the most exclusive pieces, the pieces with the highest resale value. He's just going for the stuff he likes. Yeah. And he's mixing vintage and new and it's true. hyped up stuff and stuff that you don't know where it's from. Yeah. It's cool. It creates something. He's unique. getting stuff that he's got from Wooden Sleepers. He's... Stop it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, but I think the people that are like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, well, okay. I mean, it. I'm. I'm not. I don't have Jonah Hill pictures all over. You know, my desktop. Like that are like. Oh, I need to look like that. But right. I definitely admire the fact that he doesn't have a stylist. He's not trying to. You know, he's not getting paid to wear any of the stuff that he's wearing. Right. I you mean, know? it's. It seems like just like you and I, and probably a lot of people listening to this podcast. He enjoys clothes. Yeah, he enjoys them. Yeah, it's fun. He I enjoys. Think he, it seems like he enjoys wearing them. He enjoys shopping for them he enjoys that whole experience of getting excited by something yeah i agree i agree it's great more power to him yeah I'm shout pro- out jonah hill man way to go man pro jonah on this side i'm very pro jonah yeah um we're like out of good questions but are i we? got some questions okay how are we on time we're okay on time yeah we're doing good i got a question i'm surprised no one asked this i'm surprised i've never asked this okay. of you because i feel like i know you so well we've been friends for like how many years uh like 15 years pretty much yeah close to 15 yeah how'd you get into clothes how'd i get into clothes great question uh i don't know okay this is this is tacky but it's true 
Um, I, I guess it's like how deep or how much do I want to reveal about myself. So I got into clothes one from my grandpa, Eddie Pachano. Um, R.I.P. He is no longer with us. He has walked on, as my grandmother would say. Um, and he always looked really put together. He, you know, he, um, I think he was born here, but he was from Abruzzi in Italy. And he, you know, which, uh, from San Agapito, which is a peasant town. So like no one came from money or anything. And he always had a walking hat on. He always had a cool tweed jacket. He used to wear, uh, the cologne he wore was Brut, you know, B-R-U-T, the like cheap cologne. But he always looked put together. And I really admired that. And also, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up with a ton of money, but how he looked was how I wanted to look. He looked put together. He looked happy. And I think I got into that. But what, what really made things like crazier was I was really into punk and brand new and saves a day and all of that stuff. And those guys looked really cool. And I remember... They were different wearing styles than very, grandpa, oh, though. Yes, very different style than grandpa. But I would say this is what accelerated it. Like I wanted to look like I knew who I was, and I, mm. you know, which is funny because I dressed for years not knowing <laughs> who I was. But like I wanted to look confident. I wanted to look put together, and I loved the idea on how what you wore could change what people thought about you. Absolutely. How old were you when you noticed Grandpa first and thought like, "Whoa, that's, that's um, cool. He he dresses cool. I like that." Uh, eight, nine. Where where like I I thought it was cool because he were, didn't. Were you going to mom and dad and being like, "Hey, uh, I think I need a walking hat for my first day of school"? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Um, but it was I, there. There yes. was an awareness, at least. Yes, I was. I was at J.C. Penney in a dressing room, crying because my mom told me <laughs> to wear husky jeans, <laughs> which is true. I remember that. Oh, Damn man. it, God, that sucked. <laughs> oh, that sucked so much. It's fine. But uh, oh, man, so yeah. what was that piece that you first put on as a kid and felt like a million bucks? Oh, easy. Um, an IOU sweatshirt. Do you remember those? I don't even know what that is. Uh, so it was so IOU was similar to like bum equipment. Do you remember bum equipment? Sure. Yeah, of course. It was a sweatshirt like that, and okay. basically, and this is what sucks is like, and I I don't want to talk too long about this, but it's so true is like clothing when you're that age is about for me it was about acceptance and mm. and to solidify my identity. Sure. Um, yeah. you know, I was a chubby kid. I, you know, liked computers. I was a nerd in most cases, but I wanted to look cool and I wanted to be accepted. And in most cases, because you couldn't radically alter your appearance, Mm -hmm. you wore clothes to do that. And do you think that at that time coming up, what you wore said a lot about who you were or who you wanted to be or who you wanted to be perceived as? Yes, yes. And I I mean, I think that's still kind of the case now. Because I was going to ask if you thought that was the case now because i'm not so sure because i see it's all right this is the first time in my life i'm gonna say well kids these days (laughs) feel like an old fart it's okay and i'm not pro or con in this question but i think it's kind of harder to tell where people stand these days in terms of what in terms of their personal style representing 
who they are or who they want to be or who they want to be associated with. For example, when Hit we were me. kids, you said you were like into punk. I like, was. When we were kids, it'd be really easy to tell who's into punk. You know, it was like the kid with the mohawk and the right. Doc Martens and the cut off like army pants. Right. Or like if you were really into hip hop, like it was sort of easy to identify like, oh, okay, he's wearing like polo or whatever. Yeah. Or if that person was a skater, like you kind of had a idea. But now it's like, you don't know what's what. And I don't know if that... I'm kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, I agree. I think that is cool. Like, you know, it, it, it's funny because once you become labeled, you mm-hmm. don't want to be labeled as whatever you've been labeled as. Sure. You yeah. don't want to, like, don't tell me that I'm a skater. Don't tell me that I'm into this. You don't know me. Like, right. I, you know, but I think, at least initially, clothing was about, you know, and I'm not, you know, like, a genius or know all this stuff but i think like for myself it's just like it was about being accepted it was about being i wanted the people to know that i wasn't some fat loser kid that i knew about music and that i was on you know and that that i seemed cool like i you know and it's tough i i I, it's tough to to say what i'm trying to explain without using the word that it is Mm -hmm. you know um but i mean i remember in high school as you know it got older I had my grandpa's sport coat mm-hmm. uh, with a gray hoodie underneath. Classic. Yeah, or a track jacket. Classic early 2000s emo look. Very early 2000s emo because I went to Brand New and I saw Jesse from Brand New wearing um, paper denim and cloth jeans. Jesus. <laughs> a hoodie and then a sport coat over it. And I wanted to look like that so bad. And the cool thing was this was happening like in Chicago. But in St. Louis, where I was living, mm-hmm. you know, people just were, were wearing head-to-toe Abercrombie. Right. And I didn't have the money for Abercrombie, but I had the money to go to a thrift store and wear my grandpa's jacket and do this stuff and look really cool and different. And that, like, being able to walk through that high school and, and to, to try to have, to have that and look like that, mm-hmm. where I was at a high school that was a rich school, I wasn't mm-hmm. rich, um... I, you know, was chubby. I was made fun of. I was called a faggot. I, you know, all these mm. things that like I hated, like that was, seriously was my armor. Sure. And it was the best feeling ever. And I think in a way, you know, and now I'm like all sounding serious and stuff. Now that's still what I want to do. Like, you know, now I want people to see me. If they see me pushing my cart, I want them to know, uh, my stroller. Mm-hmm. I want them to know that like, oh, that's that baby's dad. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that's not the brother or some weird babysitter or someone like <laughs> that looks like a dad and sure. a dad who cares and loves his kid. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, and the last thing I'll say is like, it kind of sucks that I feel the need to do that. Like at the end of the day, I still want to be validated by someone else versus being okay with just who I am and not caring about anyone else. Mm. And that kind of stinks. But when I say it, I have to admit it, it is true. Well, you know, it sounds like back then you, you <laughs> took a, a negative and turned it into a positive. Uh, you know, yeah. It's like there wasn't a shame in going to a thrift store and finding an old jacket and putting it on. It was like, well, this is self-expression now. This is personal style. And yeah. Was, you know, the beginning of that journey. Yeah. You know, who knows? We might not be sitting here talking had you just been decked out and head to toe Abercrombie from the mall. It's true. It's very true. I might have, I might just be. Well, I won't Just broing out yeah, somewhere. Yeah, with the full, bros. Full on bro. <laughs> I mean, 
it's true. I definitely wouldn't have moved to New York, right? You know, jeez, who cares? That's that's crazy. That's wild. There you go. Um, what do you think, man? I don't know. What do you think? I think I think we got it. I yeah. think this is good. Awesome. Um, oh, there's one other thing. Okay, I'll say before wrapping. So. I'll go ahead and say this because I'm going to end this and not do the follow me or, you know, all my, my outro that no one mm. listens to. I'm going to, I'm going to say this here on the pod. So next week is the season finale. It's with Scott Schumann with their, with the Sartorialist. I'm super pumped. Excellent. Um, I can't wait to do it. And then my fucking dog snoring. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? No, I Peggy, think it's, we got live mics here. It's good. It's good. We got it. Um, this was awesome, Brian Davis. Thanks for for chitting the chat with me. Thanks for having me. It's thanks good for to be back. Yeah, man. You 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 let me do a full on brain dump, and it was it was great to hear more about BD and also how wooden sleepers is going. Man, oh man. Yeah. Thank you guys, and uh, thanks for uh, letting me do this. Thanks for talking with me. And I hope to see all of you in Red Hook at Wooden Sleepers. If you ever find yourself in New York City, I'll be there. Or people can also get in touch with you on the gram, right? You yep, got like yep, yep. 10, good 15 jillion followers on there now. It's, it's relative. But I value <laughs> each and every one of you. So thank you. That's true. Um, yes, we're at Wooden Sleepers. Oh, yeah. One word. I'm on gonna, all social media I'm going to plug platforms. you hard on the, on the notes. Thank you. And... uh you know, I'm there. I'm there. If you call the store, chances are I'll be the one to answer. If you DM <laughs> us, I'll be there to answer you. <laughs> That's Brian Davis. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you guys. And thank you, Jeremy. Word. Thanks so much. Bye. Yep. I said I wasn't going to record an outro, but here I am sitting here recording it. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Tan Lines. If you like this episode, you can listen to the entire archive and everything else at blamopod.com. Listen to Blamo on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're at it, rate and review it. It helps what others discover the show. Follow us on Instagram at blamopodcasts or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Still want to connect? Join our Slack group and chat with other friends of the pod. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.